RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Priscilla Ng. The headlines. The Royal Garden Hotel in Chimsha Choi has been evacuated following reports of more COVID-19 infections there. A former telecoms worker was convicted for doxing police officers. And the White House says President Trump should be able to resume public engagements from Saturday. The Royal Garden Hotel in Chimsha Choi has been evacuated following reports that more staff members have contracted COVID-19. The first infection of a waiter at the hotel's Vietnamese restaurant was confirmed on Tuesday. And sources have told RTHK more staff members are among eight new coronavirus cases set to be confirmed later today. Royal Garden says it's helping to arrange its guests to stay at other hotels and it will shut for disinfection over the next fortnight. Benjamin Cowling, a professor of public health at the University of Hong Kong, expects case numbers to climb over the next week. He says the government shouldn't leave it too late to tighten social distancing measures. Right now, the focus has got to be on testing and tracing, doing a really good job of the contact tracing, because that's disruptive to the people involved, maybe the people that go to quarantine, but it delays the need for social distancing for all of us in the community. But I do think we should expect social distancing measures to be put back in place within maybe two or three weeks. Concerns are again growing over the likelihood of COVID outbreaks at local care homes. Of yesterday's 18 confirmed cases, 11 were residents of a disabled care home. Social welfare sector lawmaker Xiu Kachun called for mandatory, more frequent COVID-19 tests for staff at care homes, saying the current arrangement of testing them once in a fortnight is simply not effective enough. Speaking on an RTHK program, Mr. Xiu also pointed out that some staff at care homes didn't use protective of gear properly and ventilation could be improved. A former telecoms worker has been found guilty of posting online private information of police during last year's anti-extradition protests. Damon Pang reports. Chan Keng Hei was convicted on three counts of dishonest use of computer and one count of disclosing others' data without consent. The district court says a jail sentence has to be considered because of the severity of the doxing case. It is adjourned until early November for sentencing, and a 32-year-old has been remanded in custody. Mr Chan was convicted of using his company's computer to obtain the information and spread it via social media last year. In election-related news, Executive Councillor Ip Kwok Kim says the government should work towards allowing all Hong Kong permanent residents who've moved out of the SAR to vote in local elections without having to come back. His comments follow reports that the government wants to set up polling stations for Hong Kongers who now live in the Greater Bay Area across the border. Mr Ip, a local deputy to the National People's Congress, supports the idea because he thinks more Hong Kong people should have the chance to fulfill their civic duty. The pan-democrats have blasted the plan as an obvious attempt at vote rigging. Pro-Beijing heavyweight Zhang Yuxing has revealed details of a rift between his party, the pro-government DAB, and the chief executive Carrie Lam. He told RTHK she had been unhappy with its failure to supply the government with political talent over the years. Cecil Wong has details. Zhang Yuxing told an RTHK program that the CE had complained rather impolitely to him after she took the top job in 2017 about the lack of talent the DAB had sent the government's way. He said she was unhappy with the performance of two ministers from the DAB, but decided to let one of them stay on to make it less embarrassing for the party. 
When Mrs. Lam took over as leader, she kept on Lau Kong Wah as Home Affairs Chief, while Greg So was replaced as Commerce and Economic Development Minister. But Mr. Zhang, the founding chairman of the DAB, said his party's purpose is to win elections, not develop talent for the government. He also says he'd rather have strong DAB candidates running in elections rather than joining the administration. But he said the party would support the administration's governance, regardless of who the chief executive is. A group of residents and district councillors across the political divide have petitioned against a proposed change to the development project atop West Kowloon Station. Sun Hong Kai Properties is trying to build four commercial buildings that are 180 metres high, 50% taller than its original plan. Councillors argue that if the change is approved by the town planning board, it will affect the view, ventilation and traffic in the area. Hundreds of residents have also submitted letters opposing the plan. One of them is Mrs. Lau. It's a very big deviation from the original proposal which the win the bid. I think it's very unfair to the other bidders who didn't win the bid. We also afraid that this will set a very bad example for the undeveloped area in Kowloon area, the, the one that uh, along the harbour side. The other developer will learn from this example and increase the height of the building. The more residents will be affected. Customs officers say they've arrested six cross-boundary truck drivers on suspicion of smuggling $35 million worth of gold bars into Hong Kong. The 71-kilo haul was made across September as they believed a syndicate tried to take advantage of the difference in gold prices between Hong Kong and the mainland. A kilo of gold in Hong Kong is worth tens of thousands of dollars more than across the border. Commander Wong Ching Fu said in some cases the gold bars were hidden under the driver's seat and secret compartments inside the vehicles. On other occasions, the precious metal was found inside tailor-made waist pockets as well as inside the jeans of the drivers. Our officers asked him some questions and found that he was evasive and declined to respond to our questions. Secondly, after we have selected the goods vehicles for secondary inspection, when we are conducting the vehicle search, we found that the drivers are very nervous. And also, in some of the cases, we found that they walk awkwardly and the behavior is not normal. The White House doctor says President Trump should be able to resume public engagements from Saturday, the 10th day since his coronavirus diagnosis. Dr. Sean Conley said the president's condition had been stable since he'd left hospital and he had completed his prescribed treatment. In a television interview, Mr. Trump said he might try to attend a campaign rally on Saturday night. Here's the BBC's David Willis. He's hoping to put together a rally in the swing state of Florida and one the following night in another swing state, Pennsylvania. What was interesting about this interview was that the president was asked whether he'd been tested recently for the coronavirus since his diagnosis just over a week ago. On both occasions, the president dodged and declined to give a straightforward answer. Now, there's been a lot of speculation, of course, about when the president first became infected. So even more confusion, if you like, about the background to President Trump's coronavirus diagnosis. One of President Trump's closest allies, the Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, has revealed he's avoided the White House since August because of a lack of coronavirus precautions. Mr. McConnell contrasted the approach adopted in the executive mansion to his own insistence on masks and social distancing in the Senate. I personally didn't feel that they were approaching 
the protection from this illness in the same way that I thought was appropriate for the Senate. And the Senate has been operating in a way that I think has largely prevented contraction of this uh, disease. President Trump has rejected a plan to hold next Thursday's election debate in virtual format, saying it will be a waste of time and the moderator will be able to cut him off. Instead, he's agreed to hold a face-to-face -face with Joe Biden a week later. The Biden campaign had said it was important that Mr. Trump was not able to evade accountability. Ed Brookover worked on Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. There's no doubt that I'd like to see two more debates, but I'd like to see see them in person. This job that the president and vice president Biden are vying for is one of the most pressure-filled jobs in the world. And I think the most pressure they feel is when they are on stage with each other. The World Health Organization has reported a record one-day increase in global coronavirus cases led by a surge of infections in Europe. The global figure reached almost 340,000. Europe registered 97,000 new cases. France is placing more cities under tighter coronavirus restrictions as the number of infections rise across the country. From tomorrow, four major cities alongside Paris and Marseille will be classified as zones of maximum alert. France has reported more than 18,000 new cases of the virus. Here's the health minister, Olivier Véran. For these four cities, Lille, Grenoble, Lyon and Saint-Étienne, a move into a state of maximum alert was decided by the President and the Defence and National Security Councils. It will come into effect on Saturday morning. A court in Spain has struck down a recently imposed order that placed the capital, Madrid, and nine neighboring towns into a partial lockdown. The court in Madrid said it affected citizens' fundamental liberties. The BBC's Goy Hedgeko reports. The court ruled that a series of measures introduced in Madrid and which affected nearly five million people interfered with the fundamental rights of local inhabitants. The restrictions, which needed the court's approval in order to remain in place, have prevented unnecessary travel in and out of Madrid and nine nearby cities. They also included the early closure of bars and restaurants, as well as reducing the numbers of customers allowed in them. New research from the International Monetary Fund concludes that any lasting economic recovery will depend on resolving the coronavirus health crisis. The report argues that while lockdowns impose short-term costs, they can only generate a recovery if they lead to lower levels of infection. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. Government restrictions on business and individuals to curb the pandemic come at an economic cost. The IMF research supports that view, but it also found that much of the downturn was due to voluntary social distancing, people choosing to avoid activities they feared might expose them to the risk of infection. The effect was particularly marked in rich countries, where working from home is often more feasible. The report argues that while lockdowns impose short-term costs, they can generate a faster recovery if they lead to lower levels of infection and less voluntary distancing. A quick look at finance, and a few moments ago, the Hang Seng Index was down 7 points at 24,186. In currencies and the US dollar, it was trading at 105.84 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 17 cents, and the pound was worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 3 cents. Now to sports, and here's Atom Jung. Let's start with football. Lino Messi has given Argentina a winning start to their World Cup qualifying campaign in South America. 
The six-time Ballon d'Or winner scored a first-half penalty in Argentina's 1-0 home win over Ecuador. His former Barcelona teammate Luis Suarez also scored from the penalty spot to help Uruguay beat Chile 2-1. Paraguay and Peru drew 2-2. Ten nations are contesting in South America. The top four gained direct qualification to Qatar 2022. In Europe, Northern Ireland and Scotland are both one win away from clinching a place in next summer's Euro 2020. Here's the BBC's Paul Serres. Northern Ireland beat Bosnia on penalties in Sarajevo to set up a playoff final against Slovakia for a place in next summer's European Championships. Slovakia beat the Republic of Ireland on penalties in Bratislava. Scotland also required penalties as they beat Israel at Hamden to move within 90 minutes of Euro 2020. They will face Serbia, who beat Norway in extra time. Also through to the final round of qualifying are Georgia, who will face North Macedonia, and Hungary, who will take on Iceland. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored on his England debut in a friendly win over Wales at Wembley. The Everton striker opened scoring with a first-half header set up by Jack Grealish. That was followed by Connor Cody's first international goal. Danny Ings scored a third, and it finished 3-0 for England. In Brussels, a second-string Belgium side drew one all with Ivory Coast. Belgium rested most of their regulars ahead of Sunday's Nations League clash with England at Wembley. Now to tennis. An unseeded teenager from Poland has reached the final of this year's French Open. Big serve, backhand into the net. Astonishing performance once again from Iga Swiatek, who doesn't seem to mind at all that she's only 19. A first Grand Slam final for her. That was Iga Swiatek beating Nadia Podoroska 6-2-6-1. In doing so, she's also become the first Polish woman to reach the singles final at Roland Garros in the Open era. I'm kind of surprised, really, because I would never thought before the tournament that I would play so good here. On the other hand, I always knew that if I'm going to be in the final of a Grand Slam, it's going to be French Open. So I hope I'm going to play a great match tomorrow with doubles with my partner. And、uh, singles in two days, yeah. Sviantek will play Sofia Kenin in Saturday's final. The American defeated Petra Kvitova six four seven five. Tonight, the twelve-time champion Rafael Nadal takes on Diego Schwartzman in the first men's semi-final match. That's followed by Novak Djokovic versus Stefanos Tsitsipas. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Royal Garden Hotel in Chimshachui has been evacuated following reports of more COVID-19 infections there. A former telecoms worker was convicted for doxing police officers, and the White House says President Trump should be able to resume public engagements from Saturday. That's the news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Friday the 9th of October is today's date. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew today. And we do have a rather busy show for you. <laughs> Hopefully a show with less technical issues. And we'll be bringing you uh, some of these interviews onto the Facebook page. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. First up, we'll be chatting about um, how to maximize your living space during quarantine with talks of a fourth wave. <laughs> 